Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. In Michigan and 49 other states, well, no, 48 other states, we call them counties. Where I'm from, born and raised in Louisiana, we call them what? Parishes. Very good. You passed the pop quiz this morning. I want to talk to you about something that happened in Livingston Parish probably in the 1970s. That's where my dad and his family were from, and many of them still live today. I lived in East Baton Rouge Parish, and then to the east of that, you have Livingston Parish, and then to the east of that, where my mom lives today, it's a funny name, but she lives in Tangipahoa Parish. I don't, I'll have to look up what, some of you are already looking it up, don't act like you're not, I know how you work. Uh, Tangipahoa, I don't know what it means, I think it was an Indian name or something, but anyway, Back in the 70s, a major event happened in Livingston Parish right at where my aunt and uncle and my cousins lived. My aunt and uncle and cousins lived in a house. There was a street, and on the other side of the street, probably 100 feet from their front door, was a train, train tracks. And lots of trains would go by in front of their house, and thankfully, without incident, until one night, there was a derailment. And I remember it like it was yesterday, because it was big news in the state of Louisiana, and it was really big news uh, to my aunt and uncle and their kids, because it happened almost right in front of their house. It was bad enough that the train derailed, but it was hauling... Uh, toxic chemicals to Baton Rouge. You go to Baton Rouge, they've got huge petrochemical plants. Exxon has a huge refinery in Baton Rouge. Dow Chemical has a huge plant there in Baton Rouge. And one of the things that they were hauling on this train was chlorine gas. Bad news. When it gets out, it's heavier than air. If I remember correctly, well, I don't know, but it, it will kill you. If you breathe it, it will kill you. And I remember my aunt and uncle and cousins, uh, this happened almost right in front of their house, and they had to evacuate, and they were a long time out of their house. Even when they got the derailment cleaned up, they had to go in and, you know, clean the house. They had to have special people come in there and do that. It, It caused them great anxiety, great fear. Their future and everything, their whole lifestyle was was upset all over a derailment. Truth is, a lot of times our lives get derailed. We have the opportunity to achieve things in our lives. We have goals in our lives. We have aspirations. We have dreams. Most importantly, we have God's will in our life. Something comes along and derails all of that. What usually derails our lives, we often refer to, and I'm going to use this word this morning, it's a good word, oftentimes our lives are derailed because of personal flaws. We talk about people being flawed. We talk about the fact that sometimes we have flaws. 
And we can't underestimate, nor should we dismiss these flaws, if you will. These flaws can hurt us in the workplace. They can hurt us in the home. They can hurt us in our spiritual growth. Truth is, we really all have flaws that we have to deal with. I'm a a flawed individual, and if you don't believe it, ask my wife. She'll be more than happy to list them for you. But we are all flawed individuals. And a flaw is really just another word for sin. We're all sinners. We're all flawed. We all have sin. But let's just, again, for the sake of the message this morning, I think we all understand what we talk about when we say that someone is flawed. What we're saying is their, their life, because of that, is derailed. What's the definition of a flaw? I I just was curious. I looked it up, and it really describes what I'm talking about this morning. A flaw is a feature that mars the perfection of something. It's a a defect. It's it's a fault. A flaw goes on to say an imperfection or weakness, especially one that detracts from the whole or hinders effectiveness. Truth is, we're all flawed. The problem is that flaws will deter us from God's best. And as your pastor, I'm going to bat for you this morning because I want you to experience God's best. I don't want your life to be derailed. God sees you with potential. And using you with your unique personality, your unique giftedness, He can use you in in ways probably that you can't even imagine. And I want to help you to understand this morning some of the flaws we have and what we can do to correct them. Because when when, when flaws dominate your life, your life isn't what it's supposed to be, and you know it. And you're not experiencing the, the happiness and the joy that you should. Let me share with you, an article. This is written by Dr. Tom Bruner. He, he, he wrote an article explaining why we should be concerned about our flaws. And let me just read you a little bit from it. He says, good people can become great, but usually they don't. Part of the problem is good people are often unaware of how close they are to becoming great. What do I mean? The termination of only a few flaws or traits, habits, preferences is often enough to move someone much closer to greatness. Now, he's talking perhaps from a secular perspective, but I'm reading that and I say that is true of Christians. Christians could be doing so much more for the Lord. Christians should be ha- could be having such a greater impact for the Lord Therefore, experiencing more joy in the Lord if they would just deal with those flaws. He asks this, or states this. Think about three friends, okay? Think about it. Think about three friends or colleagues you know very well. And with each person, imagine they no longer exhibited three traits that you know people around them commonly agree are their most annoying personality thorns or flaws. So he asks us, think about people you know. And and think about some personality traits that they have 
that could be labeled as flaws. Then, imagine those three people no longer had their three personality thorns or flaws. How much closer would those three be to being great instead of just being good or average? And he says in this article, I'm betting a lot closer. And I have this quote from the article for you. He says, a trainload of healthy habits can be derailed by a few bad habits or flaws. And again, what I'm about this morning is to help us acknowledge the flaws that we have and deal with them appropriately. Because we, we live in a day and age, folks, that's going downhill fast. But I see that as an opportunity. And more than ever, we need to be a bold witness for the Lord. We need to embrace the opportunity that is before us today. We don't need to stick our heads in the sand. We don't need to be running for fear. We need to, as the Bible says, let our light shine. But oftentimes, people are not involved in ministry. They are not as mature as they ought to be. They're not capable of witnessing because of what we're talking about right now. Something is holding you back. Something is preventing you from being that bold witness that the Lord has uh, enabled you to be. Let me read on a little bit more. Think about it. How many times have you said to yourself, I really like X, except they are so, and ended your statement by naming one trait, a habit, a preference, or a flaw. That one trait was a blockade to you forming a deeper, more trusting, longer-term relationship with them. That one trait, that one flaw, is also likely what I call a derailer, a major reason they are not promoted. A major reason they're not better parents, better friends, etc. Because of that one flaw. Then he gets personal in the article. Look in the mirror. Do you recognize the value of insightfully managing your thorns or flaws? If not, you are likely derailed and you don't even know it. Share with you this one other quote from this article. Personality derailers are not simply annoying traits, but often kill your ability to grow, relate, or work, or at work be promoted, or lead a team. We need to understand that. We need to deal with it. We need you more than ever to be engaged, to be faithful, to be bold in your witness, And if we're not dealing with the flaws that we have, the sins, if you will, I use those synonymously, then we're going to be defeated. And we can ill afford that. There's a lot at stake here. What do these flaws look like? And I'm not going to list all of them. We'd be here all day. But some of the more common flaws that people have that keep, that that limit them. And, and, and really makes life harder for them. And not just in the spiritual realm, but, you know, at work and in the, in the family. One of the flaws that a lot of people have is enviousness. You're not truly happy for others, for others' success, and you work too hard to keep up with others on a material level. 
Enviousness. That, that'll, that'll put a lid on your, on your witness and on your testimony. Defensiveness. Defensiveness towards being corrected or criticized. Generally, hypersensitive people don't mature. They just grow old. People that are defensive are just limiting themselves. That is a flaw. We, we shy away from people that are envious. We shy away from people that are defensive. Their, their light isn't shining as it should. Some people suffer from aloofness. If you come off as cold, distant, you'll not be trusted or influential. Volatility. Oh, there's more and more of this. Overly emotional people or attention hogs and focus on themselves, not on the reality around them. Some people suffer from an entitlement mentality. You believe you deserve everything you want. He says a rampant epidemic attitude in our society today. Some people, their flaw is an unreliable character. You are unpredictable and not trusted or confided in. Some people, their flaw is an eagerness to please. You are more of a pleaser than an honest communicator, but your displeasure with things build up and explodes at times. You know, you try to please, you try to please, then you get frustrated, and then you explode. What kind of testimony is that? Some people are overly morally scrupulous. You find fault with even small misbehavior. No one meets every one of your rules. Your best friend is yourself. Morally scrupulous. These are the kind of flaws we're talking about this morning. Flaws that push people away. Flaws that turn people off. And so often we are hesitant to want to deal with it or to acknowledge it. I mean, in this article, this man is acknowledging a very important Bible principle. Now let's go back to the Bible where, <coughs> where, we, where we need to be. He's acknowledging a very important Bible principle about all of us, and that's the principle of sin. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Don't be upset that you're flawed. I mean, the Bible is acknowledging we are all sinners. Ecclesiastes 70.20, for there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. (coughs) Excuse me. 1 John 1.8, if we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And yet so often I deal with people that they're so defensive. We're we're so proud. We, We don't like hearing about our flaws. And so often we say, well, yeah, I may be bad, but I'm not as bad as them, or or I'm not as bad as you, and who are you, the pot calling the kettle black, and Those kind of conversations happen all the time rather than us being humble enough to say, you're right, I'm terribly flawed. Paul acknowledged this, Romans 7, 18. For I know that in me, this is the apostle Paul, folks. This is Paul. That is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Paraphrasing him, he's saying, 
The things I ought to do, I really struggle with. And the things I shouldn't do, I tend to do them. That's the attitude that we ought to have. Our inclination is to be defensive. It might even be sitting here this morning. You're thinking about, boy, I'm glad he's here to hear this. I'm glad she's here to hear this. And oftentimes I'll preach a message like this, and I know in my spirit is zoom right, right over the head. And, and, and we, we stay immature. And we stay ineffective individually and collectively. There's problems that are associated with our flaws, with our sins. They're a source of personal frustration and anxiety. Flawed people are not happy people. They're in denial and they're uncomfortable. They're they're walking a very uncomfortable path. They withhold the blessings of God. They hinder our testimony for God. They may even invite chastisement from God. And something else to think about? These flaws, they can be a source of frustration and anxiety for our family and our friends. I've shared this story with you before, but a number of years ago, back when we were in the old building I was dealing with a girl that was having, she was, uh, I think, 20, 20-ish, maybe late teens, early 20s, something like that. And she was struggling with a, a lot of issues back then. And um, I mentioned to her that she was a lot like her dad. Boy, did she blow up. Man, did she blow up. She did not want to hear it which is exactly how her dad would have responded. But I'm just saying, that's, I'm not putting her down. I'm just saying, that's human nature. You know, I, I, I was told recently by my wife, and I'm serious now, I, I pick and I joke when I point Sharon out, but, you know, Sharon pointed out some flaws to me, about me, not too long ago. And my first response was, oh, yeah? Well, let me tell you about you. I mean, I didn't say that, but I mean, that's, that's human nature. We, we just get defensive. But I, you know, I'm, I sound like I'm bragging on myself. I don't mean to, but I, I, I was smart. And I, you know, I didn't argue. I, I, I acknowledge that, you know, you're right. Because a couple other people confirmed that. I think I even mentioned that in some message here recently. But I know I'm like you. I mean, we want to look our best, sound our best, put forth our, 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 our best image. And oftentimes we'll just forget that we're flawed. And as long as we don't want to deal with it, you're, you're not going to change something you won't acknowledge. The good news is this morning that God wants us to get the victory. God's got a will for every person in this room. Lots of times when we preach on God's will, people think about, you know, teenagers and Kids going off to college. And yeah, they need to hear about God's will. I don't care if you're in this room 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. God's got a, a will for you. But our sins, our flaws can get in the way. And that'll, keep all, that'll, that'll be all kind of problems. I love this quote. Our highest condition in this world is not the attainment of perfection. 
but the recognition of heights above us which are as yet unreached. I think there's way too many people that just settle for the ordinary, that just are okay with life. It's, it's one of my great frustrations in life and, and sometimes dealing with people that I'm all right and I ain't changing and I ain't growing and I'm just going to stay where I am. And they are nowhere near reaching their potential. They're in a rut or they're taking the, the easy way through life. You know, God saved us for a reason. God saved us for a purpose. God wants to use us. He has given us a commission to win people and baptize people and teach and disciple people. And every one of us has a role in that. And we ought to be enthusiastically involved. But if we just think that, you know, I'm I'm just not going to go there. Or I don't have the abilities to do that. We're cheating ourselves and we're cheating the cause of Christ. Thankfully this morning, we have... Very clear instructions from the Apostle Paul himself on how to deal with our flaws and even our flaws of the past and how to be used of the Lord. I I want you to embrace these two verses this morning. Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. This can help you. This can help the cause of Christ. Don't focus on your spouse or on your children or anybody else in this room. You focus on yourself when I read this. These are the the inspired words of Paul, Philippians 3.13. He says, brethren, and this, this, you can relate to what he's saying this morning. This isn't something for somebody else. This is for you. This is for me. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Anything that's written well can be outlined. In English, in high school, English, in college, you know, outline it, then write it. That was true In Bible times as well. Those two verses outline very well. Makes them easy to understand. And if you are not being used of the Lord to the maximum of your potential. If your life is drama after drama after drama. Disappointment after disappointment. Way more bad days than good days. Will you please allow God to speak to your heart through these verses that outline so very well on how to get back on track. Whether you're 15, 50, or 80, we all need to be on track. We all need to be growing. We all need to be moving forward in our lives. What does Paul say here? Number one, dealing with life's derailers means we must acknowledge the fact that we are derailed. We have to acknowledge the fact that we have problems. We can't be defensive. We can't make excuses. We can't blame others for the drama in our lives and the disappointments in our lives. We get that from the Apostle Paul because he says, Brethren, 
I count not myself to have apprehended. Now, that's the way he would say it then. Today, he would say it this way. Brethren, I haven't arrived. I got a lot of growing to do. That's what he is saying when he says, Brethren, I have not, I I count not myself to have apprehended. A modern day understanding of that is Paul is saying, the Apostle Paul is saying, I haven't arrived. I've got some growing to do. Are you consciously aware of that in your life? Are you aware of the fact that you've got some growing to do, or are you on autopilot right now? Is tomorrow the same as yesterday and the next day after that, the day before and the next day after that? Or do you understand that you haven't arrived? Do you understand that you have some growing to do? I mean, if that could be said of Paul, that could be said of every one of us in this room. I like this quote. It says, be humble enough to see your mistakes, courageous enough to admit your mistakes, and wise enough to correct your mistakes. If you want to move forward in your life, if you want to know the joy and the excitement of being a part of something bigger than yourself, being a part of a ministry, being a part of a cause, it's going to start by understanding You're not where you ought to be, and you have some growing to do. None of us have maxed out on our abilities. None of us have maxed out on our growth, not even the Apostle Paul. Dealing with life's derailers means we must acknowledge the fact that we are derailed, that we have some flaws. Number two. Dealing with life's derailers means that we must focus on the derailment. You have to acknowledge that you've got maybe some of the things I mentioned a while ago. Maybe you have some volatility issues. Maybe you feel morally superior to everybody else. Maybe you're a man pleaser. Any one of those things are one of your very own. But it starts with acknowledging that, not denying it. But then secondly... Focusing on that derailment. Because after he says, brethren, I count myself uh, to, I count not myself to have apprehended, he says, he says this, and this is important to him and to you. But this one thing I do. This one thing. He is laser focused on something. He is acknowledging here that Growth is a priority. He's got some faults. He's got some shortcomings. He's not going to excuse them. He is going to focus on them. He is going to give them the time and the energy that he needs to overcome these flaws, to overcome these sins. I am focused. He said, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to excuse it. I am going to focus on it. And we need to do the same thing. That's our example. That's the reason this was has been preserved for 2,000 years. We need to focus on personal growth, just like the Apostle Paul did. I like this quote. This single-minded focus of Paul is like the Olympic runner who has but one goal in mind after the gun goes off. It says, to excel in any area of life, a person must say, this one thing, not these 20 things. 
You first have to acknowledge the flaw or flaws. You have to be man enough, woman enough to get your eyes off of other people's flaws to make yourself not seem so bad and acknowledge that you've got a problem and then focus on it. You can do that. There, whatever you're dealing with, whatever is holding you back, there is help. There is hope. But there is often, often a problem. Number three, dealing with life's derailers means we must not be paralyzed by past derailments. Most things that get us off course today are usually and often a result of something that's happened in the past that we've never gotten victory over. The childhood of children is so important. And some children are raised in environments that are just horrible. And thankfully, some people are able to get over that. And they are living a fulfilling life, and they are a blessing to others. And you would never know the troubles they encountered as a child or as a young person or as a young married person. They have gotten victory over that. But, folks, I know way too many people that are struggling with a derailment now that occurred a long time ago. I mean, my aunt and uncle and cousins, they were out of their house for, I remember, it seemed like a few months, but they got back in. Some of you are living with a derailment in your life that happened five years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. You can't be paralyzed by those past derailments because most of our derailments that are affecting us now happened a while back. That's why the Apostle Paul said, Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. There's a lot of us, things in our past that we have to forget. We have to understand God allowed it for some reason at that time in my life, and I don't understand it, and I don't even like it, but it happened. But a loving, forgiving God can get me over that and move me forward so that my entire life is not derailed. Paul, in saying, forgetting those things which are behind, is saying he's not going to let past failures hinder him, and he's going to not let past mistakes hurt his future progress. You know, we're talking about the Apostle Paul, but before he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul, right? And what was he doing? He was persecuting Christians. He, we could have labeled him prior to his conversion really a terrorist. He saw families ripped apart and he just stood there and made it happen. He saw Stephen, who was just simply a believer, stoned to death. And he was a party to it. He had to live with that. And that could have haunted him to the day he died. And infringed upon what we know today as the great Apostle Paul. He tells us we must forget those things which are behind. We cannot let past failures ruin the possibility for future victories. One writer said, and I quote, Forgetting did not mean obliterating the memory of the past. 
Because it says Paul has just recalled some of the, these things in Philippians 3, 5, 6, and 7. But a conscious refusal to let them absorb his attention and impede his progress. We've all experienced derailments in our past where we've gotten off course and where we have created problems or been the victim of a problem or what have you. Paul had experienced that. He says, forgetting those things which are behind. Which then brings us to the last point, number four. Dealing with life's derailments ensures a better future. You're not going to have a better future till you deal with your past. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. Paul is saying God has a better future for him. God has a, a better future that he needs to embrace. Do not be held hostage to your past derailments. Whether you created them or somebody else created them. If you were to sit down over a cup of coffee with the Apostle Paul and you said, but Paul, you don't understand my childhood. Paul would say, yeah, I do. He said, I made, I made far worse mistakes than you did. I've got Christian's, bloods on my, uh, Christian's blood on my hands. He said, I understand. But then he'd look at you and say, I've moved on. And you need to move on. We don't need to be afraid of the future. We need to embrace the future. I like this quote. What Paul is talking about here, he says, this is a picture of a foot race in which the runner's head and shoulders and chest are bent forward and his eye fixed on the goal, the tape at the end of the race, so that it's to be the first one across the goal. He's pressing towards the mark. He's moving forward. Some of you aren't in the race to the future. You're stuck in the rut of the here and now. There is within this room so much giftedness, so many different abilities, so many different talents, so many different voices that can glorify God. They can be used of God. They can see friends and neighbors and family saved. But people look at you, as we said, as we read from the article, and they see more of your flaws. The problem is, oftentimes, we don't see them. Paul is acknowledging his flaws. So, we're still in January. We're still at the beginning of a new year. So, let's start the new year off right. Number one, let's acknowledge our flaws. To be honest with you, when Sharon shared with me what she shared with me, it's not what I wanted to hear. It, it really, I mean, it, it wasn't a compliment, but she loved me enough to be truthful with me. I could have been defensive and probably was tempted to be defensive. In fact, I know I was tempted to be defensive, but when I thought about it and tried to be humble about it, as, as hard as that was, I must say that what she told me was true. So we have to acknowledge our flaws. Don't get upset and don't fuss and argue with people. The truth may hurt, but it's necessary. Number two, focus on fixing your flaws. This is very this is the practical application part of the message. Make a list of your flaws that you're going to fix. Pray. Study Bible passages that deal with your deal with your issues. Be in every church service and, and Sunday school class. Seek the help of a 
a mentor. Are they not coming up? There they go. Pray, seek the help of a mentor. Is in there somewhere? There it is. Yeah. These, these are practical. You can do something about it. And you'll feel so much better giving it that effort. Dealing with your flaws. Dealing with your sins, if you will. Let's just call it what it is. Dealing with your sins. The Lord wants you to ignite. That's what Paul had to do. That's what we have to do. Make a break with the failures of the past. Resist playing the blame game. Don't wallow in self-pity. For sure, don't be fatalistic. Well, I, I hear that. Nothing, I don't think nothing gets under my skin more than to hear somebody say, well, that's, that's just who I am. This is just who you married. Excuse me? Excuse me? I mean, that may be who you are, but that shouldn't be who you are a week from now, six months from now, a year from now. You're a child of God. You're growing. You're not going to stay a baby. Be motivated by the prospects of a better future. Paul said, in reaching forth, Unto those things which are before. He saw a better future than he saw in his past. Charles Spurgeon preached on this and he said this and we're done. So far as acceptance with God is concerned, a Christian is complete in Christ as soon as he believes. That's true. But while the work of Christ for us is complete, that of the Holy Spirit in us is not complete but is continually carried on from day to day. The condition in which every believer should be found is that of progress. There are a lot of people that say, and they say this with a great deal of pride, well, God loves me just the way I am. True. But this is also true. He doesn't want you to stay that way. Yeah, he loves you just the way you are. He loves you right now. Loves you unconditionally. But he doesn't want you to stay that way. That's why he's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you the Bible. He's given you church. He's given you a pastor. He's given you Christian friends. I so badly want to see you excited. Investing, it's not selfish to invest in yourself, to spend time in God's Word every morning, to read books that can help you with the particular flaws that you might be dealing with. And there's all, whatever, you, whatever problem you have, I guarantee you there's some good Christian material that can help you. Meeting, meeting with a mentor once a week, being in church, being in Sunday school. If you're not, if you're not being used the way God wants to use you, and can use you, you're not going to be a happy person. You're not going to be a joyful person. Embrace this this morning. Take those verses that we read this morning from Philippians chapter 3 and review them and review them and review them. Get out of the rut. This is still the beginning of a new year. You have an exciting future before you that when you discover it, life will be so exciting to get up every day. To know that you're not going to let the problems, the flaws, the derailments of the past keep you derailed permanently. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website 
at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.